Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of a rotator cuff injury found under the orthopedic section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 70-year-old man presents to his physician for left shoulder pain for the past several months. He reports that he cannot reach above his head without any pain. As a retired carpenter, he reports that this has significantly impacted his quality of life. Additionally, he is unable to lie on his left side at night due to shoulder pain. On physical exam, there is focal tenderness over the left anterolateral shoulder. Radiography reveals reduced space between the acromion and the humeral head. Let's continue with an introduction to rotator cuff injury. Clinically, it is defined as injury to one or more of the rotator cuff muscles. The injury is typically due to a tear or tendinopathy. The rotator cuff muscles, which are all innervated by C5 and C6, are the sits muscles. The S is supraspinatus. Remember that this is innervated by the suprascapular nerve, and its function is to perform initial abduction of the arm in the first 0 to 15 degrees. The I is infraspinatus. This is also innervated by the suprascapular nerve, and its function is to perform lateral rotation of the arm. The T is teres minor. This is innervated by the axillary nerve, and its function is to perform adduction and lateral rotation of the arm. And the second S is the subscapularis muscle. This is innervated by the upper and lower subscapular nerves, and its function is to perform adduction and medial rotation of the arm. With regards to epidemiology, remember that the supraspinatus muscle is most commonly injured, and demographically, this typically affects adults. Risk factors include older age, smoking, and repetitive overhead reaching. In terms of the pathogenesis, acute avulsion injuries typically follow trauma, whereas chronic degenerative tears are typically due to repetitive overhead motions with tendon weakening due to degenerative changes and chronic impingement. And conditions associated with rotator cuff injuries include biceps tendinopathy and osteoarthritis. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include shoulder pain, which can be exacerbated by sleeping on the affected shoulder and reaching overhead. There may also be limited function of the shoulder. On physical exam, there may be severe focal tenderness at the insertion of the supraspinatus, which is in the region of the anterolateral shoulder. There may be decreased active elevation with normal passive range of motion. The Hawkins impingement test is performed with passive internal rotation of the shoulder with the patient seated and the elbow flexed to 90 degrees. The test is positive if there is pain. The near impingement test is performed with passive elevation of the arm while internally rotated with the patient standing. The test is positive if there is pain. The painful arc sign is pain with active abduction between 60 and 120 degrees. The empty can test is performed by having the patient elevate their arm to 90 degrees with the elbow extended and the thumb down. The clinician then applies a downward force on the arm while the patient resists. The test is positive if there is pain. Remember that this test is 90% specific for supraspinatus pathology. In terms of imaging, Radiography is indicated for all patients as the initial imaging. Specific findings may include loss of the subacromial space due to upward migration of the humeral head. Magnetic resonance imaging is indicated if radiography is normal, but there is suspicion for a rotator cuff injury. 
However, it is not indicated for all patients, but remember that it is the most accurate test. And when making the diagnosis, remember that most cases are clinically diagnosed. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about adhesive capsulitis with a distinguishing factor being that active and passive range of motion are limited. And in terms of treatment, conservative options include physical therapy, which is indicated for all patients. Medical options include non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which are indicated for all patients for pain management. Steroid injections are indicated for patients who fail NSAIDs as pain management. Operative options include surgical repair, which is indicated for patients with complete tears or for patients who fail all other more conservative management for three to six months. Complications related to rotator cuff injury include functional limitations and adhesive capsulitis. And finally, with regards to prognosis, remember that re-tear may occur. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to rotator cuff injury, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 69-year-old gentleman presents to his primary care physician for pain in his right shoulder. The patient was helping his son move this past weekend, and he noticed after the move that he had pain and weakness in his right shoulder. The patient thought that this pain was just him being in poor shape, so he started going to the gym and lifting weights, which made his symptoms significantly worse. The patient has a past medical history of diabetes, obesity, and asthma. His current medications include albuterol, lisinopril, metformin, and glipizide. On physical exam, you note an obese gentleman who seems to be in pain. You note prominent weakness of external rotation of his right upper extremity. When you ask the patient to slowly lower his right arm to his side when he holds it overhead, you note that he suddenly drops his arm and appears to be in pain. The patient's strength is 1 out of 5 for abduction of the right arm. Which of the following is most likely to be injured in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Supraspinatus Choice 2. Infraspinatus Choice 3. Teres minor Choice 4. Subscapularis or Choice 5. Deltoid The best answer to this question is Choice 1. Supraspinatus This patient is presenting with pain and weakness of abduction of his arm after exertion suggesting a diagnosis of a rotator cuff tear. The most commonly injured muscle is the supraspinatus. Rotator cuff injuries are common in athletes from overexertion and sedentary individuals from a lack of conditioning when they exert themselves. On exam, you will note weakness and pain upon abduction of the arm and inability to lower the arm slowly to the patient's side, which is a positive drop test and a positive empty can test which is pain when the thumb is pointed inferiorly and the patient is asked to resist the physician as he applies force downwards. The most common muscle injured in the rotator cuff is the supraspinatus. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. The infraspinatus could be injured and present similarly to this presentation. However, the most common muscle of the rotator cuff to be injured is the supraspinatus. Choice 3. The teres minor is less commonly injured than the supraspinatus and serves to keep the humeral head in place while the deltoid contracts. An isolated injury to this muscle is not likely to occur or present with weakness and pain upon abduction of the arm. Choice 4. The subscapularis is involved with internal rotation of the humerus 
An injury to this muscle would present with weakness to internal rotation, not external rotation. Choice 5. The deltoid is much less commonly injured when compared to the rotator cuff muscles. Though it would present with weakness to abduction, a more traumatic etiology is necessary for a deltoid tear to occur. Injury to the supraspinatus is more likely. Finally, a bullet summary. A rotator cuff injury typically occurs due to injury to the supraspinatus and presents with weakness and pain upon abduction of the arm. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with shoulder pain. He states that he can't remember a specific instance when the injury occurred. He is a weightlifter and competes in martial arts. The patient has no past medical history and is currently taking a multivitamin. Physical exam demonstrates pain with abduction of the patient's right shoulder and with external rotation of the right arm. There is subacromial tenderness with palpation. His left arm demonstrates 10 out of 10 strength with abduction as compared to 4 out of 10 strength with abduction of the right arm. Which of the following best confirms the underlying diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1, CT. Choice 2, MRI. Choice 3, physical exam and history. Choice 4, radiography. Or choice 5, ultrasound. The best answer to this question is Choice 2, MRI. This man is presenting with shoulder pain and pain and weakness with abduction and external rotation of his right arm which suggests a diagnosis of a rotator cuff tear, most likely the supraspinatus. The confirmatory test of choice is an MRI of the shoulder. Rotator cuff tears, most commonly the supraspinatus, present with pain and weakness with external rotation and abduction of the affected arm. They typically occur with exertion of the affected arm in athletics or with weightlifting. Notably, a tendinopathy may present with pain and tenderness, but will not present with profound weakness. The diagnosis can typically be made with physical exam. However, the most accurate diagnostic test is an MRI of the shoulder, which is the most accurate test for most soft tissue pathologies. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. CT of the shoulder can demonstrate calcification of the supraspinatus and offer some soft tissue detail. However, it is not as accurate a test as an MRI, which is the confirmatory test of choice. Choice 3. Physical exam in history is typically sufficient to make the diagnosis. However, it is not the best method for confirming the underlying diagnosis. Choice 4. Radiography can demonstrate bony abnormalities and calcification of the supraspinatus. However, it offers limited detail to confirm the diagnosis. Choice 5. Ultrasound can diagnose soft tissue and musculoskeletal injuries. However, it is not as detailed an exam for confirming the diagnosis as an MRI. Finally, a bullet summary. The most accurate test for diagnosing a rotator cuff tear is an MRI. That's all for this review about rotator cuff injury. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating 
and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.